I want to ask you this question. What do you miss the most or are most looking forward to doing once everything is back to normal? And so I want you to turn to somebody that's around you right now or just say it out loud. What do you miss the most or what are you most looking forward to doing once everything's back to normal? Now, I threw this on social media and got some uh, great responses that you might be able to identify with. Definitely not this first one. For Ken says, uh, he never thought he would say this, but he misses rush hour traffic. How dare you, Ken? Uh, Kelly said, uh, sitting in a crowded VRL service. I'm with you, Kelly. I just cannot wait for that day. Charles mentioned, uh, missing the free samples at Costco. Now we have to fix lunch on Sunday afternoons. I know, we're missing out, Charles. Lauren said, uh, singing loud in church and it's not being weird. So I understand when you're by yourself with a couple other folks, it's hard to sing you know, out loud without everybody else kind of looking at you. Uh, Dave mentioned not having to wear a mask that makes my glasses fog so much that I run into shoppers with my cart. So yeah, that kind of defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it, Dave? Uh, Shannon mentioned, I'm looking forward to sports of all kinds, watching professionally, playing them, uh, coaching them, watching my kids. I cannot wait to see all the kids and their families. I'm with you, Shannon. Uh, David said, getting a haircut, seeing my chiropractor, getting a massage, and then eating Mexican food in an actual restaurant in that exact order. So Dave has obviously thought through this in detail. Uh, Paul uh, wrote the weirdest one. Uh, I miss the need to wear pants while working. Uh, appreciate that, Paul. I really actually want to encourage you to start wearing pants uh, while working now. Uh, Bruce uh, put the number one answer that most people said is, I need a hug. I just want to be around. I want to, I want to just hug people once again and be in that proximity. Uh, I don't know if you realize, you know, that in this season, how easy it is to lose focus generally, just to stay focused on anything. In fact, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite uh, Disney cartoons, uh, Pixar, in fact. You know, the movie is called Up, and in it, there's this dog who has the ability to speak because of his collar, and he's trying to stay focused on the mission or the task at hand, but what happens? Say it out loud. Squirrel, right? He just, he's trying to focus, but then he sees a squirrel and he's always seeing things that are distracting him from the mission or the purpose at hand. And you understand this. If you're a teacher, how hard is it to keep children or teenagers focused in class, especially on Zoom? Bosses or coworkers, how challenging is it at times to keep everyone focused on the task or purpose at hand? Spouses, how difficult it is it having a spouse conversation when one person or the other is constantly looking at their phones or their screens? How much more so is it, is, is it hard to focus when you and I are going through struggle or pain or suffering or even difficulty to focus on anything besides that suffering or that difficulty? See, we're beginning a series today called Unchained, Freedom Through Purpose perspective, and joy. We're going to be looking at a New Testament letter called Philippians, where a guy by the name of Paul is writing, and it's about 30 years or so after the resurrection of Jesus, and he's writing from what's called house arrest or jail in Rome, awaiting his trial for his uh, proclaiming or telling other people about this good news of Jesus. Now again, just for a second, if you were in jail or as you have gone through in what you might feel as house arrest, what would your focus be on? 
I know my focus, and even during this season, has been on my circumstances. And the longer this goes on, I focus more on the circumstances. And I find myself actually finding strength from this writer, this, this guy we're going to learn about today by the name of Paul, who chose not to focus on his circumstances, but chose to focus on the mission instead. See, how easy is it if you're a follower of Jesus Christ to lose focus on that mission of Jesus? How easy, just like that dogging up, to go squirrel, we're just so focused on something else that more relates to us instead of the relates to him. See, the mission of Jesus is to tell others through our actions and words the good news of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news that we're supposed to live and we're supposed to share. Yet I quickly lose focus, and I'm going to venture to guess, so do you. Uh, the, The things that cause me or may cause you to lose focus might be financial pressure. Maybe it's relational issues or, or just this even COVID-19 that we've been going through. Let's be honest for a second. How easy is it to complain, to be upset, to be focused during this season especially and all that it has impacted in our lives? And if you're a follower of Jesus, to lose sight of the mission of Jesus based on our current circumstances. See, when this first happened, when we first went into this kind of quarantine season, I was so encouraged because so many people were open to inviting, to connecting, to reaching out. Uh, we, we started a food room. We started prayer. We started calling, and people just couldn't wait to find opportunities to help, to invite, to care, and to come alongside all in the name of Jesus. Paul and his friends, the apostle who's in prison, could have lost sight or lost focus at the very least of the mission of Jesus, but he didn't. See, one of the things that I've noticed recently is that I've noticed more and more we're getting so agitated and irritated by the circumstances around us. We've lost that same fire, that same passion, that same excitement. See, Paul could have been just like us and said, wait a minute, I'm in prison My freedom has been taken away, and I can't do what God has called me to do. But he didn't do that. In fact, he did the opposite of that. He said, all right, I'm in this circumstance. I can't physically be present with you, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a letter. And unbeknownst to Paul, this letter written to the people in 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 the city of Philippi, and then it impacts us today, has more impact than what Paul could have ever done If he was just face to face with those people, we never heard or knew the words in which we're going to walk through these next several weeks. See, for us, as we have gone online, who would have ever thought that we are reaching and connecting to more people all over this nation and world than ever in the history of our church? Could what we believe as a restriction, actually be a way for God to work for his good and mission once again for the sake of Jesus. See, even if you and I can view some of this as persecution, that also advances the good news of Jesus if if we stay focused on the mission. So here's what Paul chooses to focus on as he pens and writes this letter. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, He writes this, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders as well as the deacons. 
Now, it's interesting that Paul calls himself a slave to Christ Jesus while in prison. Now, when we hear that word slave, we have a different understanding in our American culture. And so we kind of like to avoid that word slave. But in fact, it is the best literal translation of that Greek word that he's writing to, that, to those people at the time. Hey, you might read in some of your Bibles, it may say servant, or, or maybe a good term is a bond servant. You see, when, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not free. It's free to you and me, but it comes at a high price. See, Christ paid for us, and when we have been bought with that high price, we submit not to my will any longer for the rest of my life. I submit to my master and my Lord, who is Jesus. I am a willing slave to Jesus. And it's great because I'm actually a part of his family. I'm actually a part of the mission. I'm part of the kingdom of God. And so it doesn't have some of the same connotations we have in our culture it has more connotations with what you would most likely see in Paul's culture as he's writing to his people. So here's what I want you to do. Self-reflect. Do you have a tendency to focus on your circumstances or to focus on the mission? Or to be honest, it probably depends on the day, right? I've talked to so many people over these last numbers of weeks, and it depends on the moment that I'm just so focused and frustrated and irritated and upset and disturbed, and the list can go on and on. And the more I stay focused on those things, the less I stay focused on the mission and the purpose of Jesus. That could be that during this time and this season, more than ever, that God would use the church, the people of God, to impact other people for him in the same way that Paul was impacting people for Jesus for all eternity. So first, God is calling us, regardless of our circumstance or situation, to focus on the, miss, the mission. Secondly, remembering our beginning can help us in our present situation. Remembering our beginning can help us in our present situation. You see, every church, every minister, ministry, every life change has a beginning. This letter is written from Paul and Timothy to a church in Philippi that at once had a beginning. So who is Paul? Where did he come from? See, in Acts chapter 22, verse 3, it says these words. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarshish, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you do today. And he was. He was incredibly zealous. He was incredibly passionate about the things that he understood about God. But his passion actually led him to persecute Christians. Until in Acts 9 which you can read about how Paul was on his way to continue out the threats and, and the persecution of followers of the way, or as we know them today as, as Christians or Christ followers. And all of a sudden, Jesus met him there on this road to Damascus. And he turned his passion from persecution to proclamation. He turned it from, from persecution to telling others and made it the life mission because he submitted himself. Jesus had bought him with a price to say, I'm going to tell the world about Jesus Christ. And he spent the rest of his days doing so, even if it cost him his very life. And we see that. What a man. What a man after God's own heart. 
Well, what about Timothy? He says that this letter is from Paul and Timothy. Here's what we read in Acts chapter 16, where we're first introduced to Timothy. It says, Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, where there there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer. And what we know about his mom is her name was Eunice, and she, he also had a grandmother named Lois. And you can read about that in 1 Timothy 1 chapter 5. They're the ones who introduced faith and taught him and brought him up in the knowledge of who God is. But notice that his father was a Greek. We don't have much mention of his dad. We just know the influence of his mother and his grandmother. I just want to pause for just a second. If you're a grandparent, don't lose sight of the mission. It's not about retirement. It's not about enjoying the golden years. The golden years could be the most significant years in your life as you interact with the next generation or the generation beyond that. Do you realize as grandparents that you might be influencing, encouraging, and helping the next Timothy? You never know how God is going to use you in the life of another. Stay focused on the mission. See, in Acts chapter 16, we continue to read, Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. And so he went and he left. Now, what you need to know is that the Timothy was most likely in his late teens, maybe early 20s, when this began to happen. Now, the letter that's written to, to the church in Philippi was probably about 10 years later. And so that's probably when he was in his late you know, 20s or early 30s. But I want to speak to those of you who are in your youth. Those of you who are teenagers in high school or early on in your college age years, what's your mission? What's your purpose in life? You see, Timothy was filled by God and he focused first and foremost on submitting himself to Jesus. And as he conformed more into the image of Christ, other people took notice and they said, I want you, Timothy, to join on the mission. I've got big plans for you. Character, following Jesus and living on mission. I don't care what your vocation is going to be. God is calling all of you, if you are a teenager, to follow him because he has incredible plans for you. But like us all, it can be very easy to follow the shiny object or the squirrels in our lives and lose track of the mission. Don't lose track. Turn your way back to him even on this day. That's amazing about this church in Philippi because in Acts 16, it actually tells us how this church was birthed. So Paul and Timothy, you know, are on their way and they boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to this island is in Samothrace. And then the next day they landed in, at Neapolis. From there, they reached Philippi. See, that's where we first find, you know, this group that he's writing to, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, we went to a little way outside of the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and they were. We sat down to speak, and there were some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia, you know, who was a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. And as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. 
If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. And the church was born. See, it's fascinating. You know, just, just as a little point of emphasis, I've talked about grandparents. I've talked about, you know, uh, a youth. Now I want to talk to you ladies. The first converts to Christianity in Philippi were women. And their influence in their households and their invitation became a birthing place, not of another child, but of the kingdom of God that would begin to expand in this city. Amazing how God uses people who are a mission for him. So I wonder, in our current circumstance, where your beginning came from. Where was your beginning with Jesus? Well, while you're processing that, every church has a beginning. And with every, every beginning of every church that started, the mission has always been the same. I have yet to, to meet someone who started a church where the mission wasn't to proclaim and tell others through their lives as well as their words the message of Jesus Christ. In fact, there was a small group of people that were called the Backyard Bible Gang who met regularly for prayer, not unlike what we just read with Lydia and the place of prayer on the Sabbath. And they prayed regularly for a church to start in northern Idaho in 1997. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. Then they contacted a church planting organization called Stadia, who then contacted a youth pastor who was living in Oregon at the time. And this youth pastor and his wife and a friend of his and their wife came up to meet this backyard praying group. And it wasn't long before they committed themselves to being on mission for Jesus in this part of the world. His name was Jim Putman. And the person that he brought with him was Aaron Couch. And God exploded this church. And they reached far and wide in this entire region, well, five years into hundreds and hundreds of people coming to faith and being baptized in him and growing and understanding what it was mean, means to be a disciple of Jesus. There was a group of people on this side of the state who said, you know, we want to invite our friends. And we think that the church is just a little bit too far for them to be able to come to. And so they gathered together five years later in 2003 and these men and these women of God says, we have a passion to be on mission for Jesus. And they first met at University High School. And a few years later, by the will of God and by the direction of their pastor, leaders, and elders, they landed in the location here off of Barker in Spokane Valley, Green Acres area. And over the last several years, 17 years later, God has used this church to impact hundreds and thousands of people. In this region, things like launching campuses in Otis, Freeman, church plants, Houston, the Tri-Cities, even in Medical Lake. And now we've launched an online campus, which now is not limited to a location. See, we'll never stop. As long as our mission and focus is as clear as it was to Paul and Timothy, it needs to remain clear for us that regardless of circumstance or situation, we're going to be about the mission of Jesus to reach the world one person at a time. So I wonder, what was your beginning? 
What was your beginning as I asked you a second ago with Jesus? I think about my church in Ballard on the west side of Washington. I think about my parents and the influence that they had on my life. I think about my youth pastor. I think about coaches. I think about so many different people that made a difference in my life that created that beginning, that foundation. What was it for you? Take time today to share that with someone else. And if you don't have a beginning, I want you to hold on to that thought. Before we close, my hope is that today would be that day that you would say, I began a relationship, a commitment to the mission of Jesus because of what he's done for me. It's amazing. And I don't have time to be able to talk to you about what else happened in Acts 16, except for to tell you that uh, people were not happy about this mission of Jesus, that it was hard, that they were persecuted, they were beaten, they were thrown in jail, Paul and his friend Silas, and it was awful, it was hard, it was painful. But at the same time, they prayed, they, they sung hymns in prison, chains were released, and God used that situation to draw people to him. In fact, the jailer, upon realizing that these prisoners who were singing at midnight, an earthquake happened, thought that they had escaped, and he's about ready to kill himself, and Paul yells out, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We are all still here, and he ran in at their feet, and he asked, what must I do to be saved? See, I don't know about you, but if I've been beaten, if I've been in prison unjustly, unfairly, if I've had no trial, even for Paul as a Roman citizen, if I'd gone through all of those things and the jail doors were open, I'd be like, God, you have freed me. I get to run out of this place. And that's not what he did because God wanted to use him to focus on the mission of Jesus to impact that jailer's life and his family for all eternity. God uses hard circumstances to impact others for him. You see, COVID-19 and us staying at home could have derailed us from the mission at hand, but it actually, in some ways, has helped propel the mission at a much different and rapid pace that may have at the very best been delayed, at the worst never happened, had COVID-19 never happened. Stay focused on the mission. Verse 40, it says this. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia there they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. They left. Again, out of a prayer meeting, out of a house. A church was started. It was birthed not in a building, but in a home. I mention this because I know there are some of you who are watching from Texas, from Seattle, from Arizona, and from some other place that's not near one of our locations. Here's my challenge for you. If you want to stay connected to what God's doing through Valley Real Life, you're more than welcome to. Your next step is to invite people to a watch party when it's allowed. To invite people into your house in the same way that Lydia did and begin to watch, sing, take communion, eat together, have a small group together. Begin to be the church that God has called you to be. Be on mission for him. Lastly, Philippians 1, 2, it says, may God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and give you peace. You see, receiving the grace and peace of God that helps us stay focused on the mission of God, 
That's what it means. Let me say it one more time. Receiving the grace and peace of God helps us stay focused on the mission for God. And so we've got to receive God's grace. God's grace is unmerited or undeserved favor of God through Jesus Christ. We've also got to receive God's peace, which is the harmony between God and man, which results in inner calm regardless of the circumstances we remain focused on him. See, grace and peace was a common greeting whenever Paul wrote a letter to a group of followers of Christ. But you need to understand the order is significant. In order to experience peace, there must be a response to God's grace. So what about you? Would you be willing to receive God's grace and his peace today? Maybe again, or maybe for the first time. Today could be the day of salvation for you, for your household, or renewed commitment that no matter what happens, as we continue to move forward in faith, that we remain committed to the mission of Jesus. May Paul be our example as we follow Jesus together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. And I ask, Lord, only that you would lead and that you would guide us, that you would help us to remember why we're here for followers of you that you'd help us to remember our beginning of where it began and the the passion that was there and that it's not about circumstance, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to receive grace and peace that can only come from you. And if you're watching right now, I pray that you would just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I surrender and admit I need you in my life. I receive your grace. And I receive your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.